Buenos dias. Welcome to the People Power Everything podcast. I am your host, John Dallas, and I believe that there is power in the masses. The goal of this podcast is to talk about that power, how we can help it manifest itself for all of us, and some lessons I've learned along the way. Welcome to this week's version of the podcast. This week is called The Unconventional Harvest, Reaping Gratitude from Life's Challenges. It's a podcast where I went through what am I grateful for, but from what's negative. So what are the challenges I face and how do I pull out the good in that? And there's good everywhere. And this is, I saw a piece of a talk by Simon Sinek about optimism and his definition of optimism is not being positive all the time. It's recognizing that there are challenges, but we will come out of it better together. That also lines up with the definition of not resilience, resilience being coming back to where you were before the negative thing happened, um, but thriving, which is really coming back stronger than we were before. For example, somebody who has a heart attack because they're in bad shape, uh, they don't eat well, they have this heart attack and they survive it, thankfully, and they come back and start to eat well, to exercise and to be better off than they were before the negative event happened. It doesn't mean having the heart attack was a good thing, but there is a lot of positive that came out of it. So it's in that spirit that I bring you the unco- unconventional harvest where I see gratitude from life's challenges. This weekend was Canadian Thanksgiving, so it's only fitting to express gratitude, not just for the obvious joys like fitness, work flexibility, continual learning, as all my social media friends are well aware I do a lot of. Equally important are less glamorous, things that we don't hear a lot about, the hardships that have been essential. So life's tougher chapters are like harsh tutors. They impart lessons of resilience and wisdom. It might seem counterintuitive, but I have a profound gratitude for these less than ideal experiences. The first thing I'm grateful for is failure. As weird as it sounds, I love to fail. I'm not always happy about it, for sure, but the way I see it, it's a means of pushing myself. Earlier this year, I started cycling again after, gosh, I don't know how many years. I started doing climbs in a national park that's about two kilometers away from my house, so pretty near. The first outing ended on the first real hill. I started going up. I was watching my pulse as I went. I hit about 180 beats a minute, and I said to myself, I am not dying on this hill today. I have nobody to prove anything to. I'm going to turn around, go down, let my heart rate go down and not have my heart burst as I try to be proud going up. It wasn't anything that was discouraging to me. It was just a benchmark where I was at my fitness at a time. So that initial failure was motivating to me. I knew I wanted to get better. And that first ride reminded me how much I loved the feeling of the wind and the pain in my legs after a good workout. And I have to say, since I did that, that was early May, we're now, uh, call it mid-October, and I don't think I've had a week go by where 
my legs weren't recovering from a good ride. And while it there's some pain there, for sure, it feels good. So I kept at it over the summer. Kept getting out several times a week, you know, as the weather permitted. Try not to go out in the rain, not much fun then. But there was a lot of sunny days. The National Park itself is closed to cars most days of the week. So it made for really good rides. And now I can make the climb all the way to the top every time. And I do it several times a week, between two and four times a week. It's about 22 kilometers up, 22 kilometers down. The hills are rolling, so it's not a climb the whole way up. But it makes for a really good challenge. And I try to push myself a little bit more every week. And it gives me an opportunity not only to exercise and feel good about myself, but time to disconnect and let my mind wander. Wonder what I can do better. And wander. Wander in different areas. Just when you're cycling, you're not looking at a screen. You're in nature, feeling good about yourself. And that, to me, was a great gift. The only downside so far is that my quads have gotten bigger and some of my jeans are tight in the leg. Oh, well, it's a good problem to have for me, I guess. I still get past by lots of real cyclists, people who go up and down that hill three, four times at a stretch. But I'm thankful. I'm on the same road they are, and I'm making it to the same place they do. Even if I'm slower, it doesn't matter. Failure is not about beating the next person. It's not about a comparison. It's about becoming better every day, and that to me is not failure. Becoming better every day is a massive success. So, Despite the initial failure, and there's a sting to that a little bit. I mean, I say it didn't really affect me, but of course it did. It serves as a teacher. It offers invaluable lessons in resilience, adaptability, and the strength to persevere. Just keep going. Get a bit better every day. There's a meme out there about if you get 1% better every day within a year, you're something like 10 times as good because of compound interest, that kind of thing. And that's true. And it's hard to be consistent. So when you are, congratulate yourself because you're doing well. Failure catalyzes personal growth. It gives us the fertile ground of self-reflection and refines our skills. It propels us towards even greater achievements. Second, I'm thankful for boredom. The easy reason is that it enables creativity and curiosity. When we're bored, we question things. We let our minds wander. We think about silly things. We make weird connections. Personally, I have a hard time when it gets dark outside. I don't know what to do with myself, and I ultimately end up in front of the TV with snacks. Not exactly great for the waistline. In navigating the evening dilemma of pacing around without a clear focus, I've come to realize the transformative power of embracing boredom. By trying to strategically integrate mindfulness and purpose into my routine, I've started my own process, which I've been calling Take Back the Night. I need a 
catchy tagline, apparently, to get myself motivated. I try to structure a balanced evening schedule. So setting achievable goals, incorporating activities that engage both my body and my mind. And that might be something like getting to the gym to practice basketball when there's an open night or getting on my virtual reality set and doing something, you know, boxing, something that gets me moving instead of just sitting in front of the TV or watching the TV, but forcing myself to do certain exercises, squats, push-ups, sit-ups, anything where I could probably still see the TV and hear what's going on, but gets me moving. These are intentional choices. They're not easy and they're not something that just happens, but that should help me break the habit of passive TV watching and the mindless snacking, which I absolutely don't need. I end up not sleeping well because of it. So it has a compounding effect. So I hope over time, it'll become a habit. The other thing is rediscovering hobbies. So the hobbies I have around reading, getting outside, even going for the walk when it's dark, I mean, there's street lamps. I live in a quiet neighborhood. It's easy to get out and have a walk. And the dog appreciates it too. So it's good all around. So turning moments of monotony, boredom, into avenues for creativity, relaxation, personal growth, exercise. I want to embrace the boredom and have it become a catalyst for transforming my nightly routine. And to me, it gives me a more active, enriching lifestyle. I still have work to do on it, but I want to embrace the boredom that comes. Last, for this little podcast and article, I'm grateful for waiting rooms and late professionals, weirdly as that might sound. I'm someone who's pretty much almost always on time. If any of my staff or colleagues are listening to this, my apologies, I am late sometimes, especially when I stack calls one behind the other, and that's just silly. Uh, I can do better at that, uh, but that's a discussion for another time. I usually try to be early, especially to appointments, and I've been consciously talking to myself to not get impatient when one of my doctors or dentists is late. I'm a type 1 diabetic. I take care of myself. I'm seen by several specialists every year sometimes multiple times a year, and I take care of uh, my teeth. I get to the dentist several times a year. So the opportunities for people to be late are probably multiplied a few times for me. I try not to see the waiting room as a symbol of inefficiency or inconvenience. People that are late, you know, why do you make an appointment if you can't hold the appointment? That uh, the the Seinfeld show about uh, you can take the reservation, but you can't hold the reservation, which is really the most important part. The same thing is making an appointment and holding the time is kind of important to people who work. I'm lucky. I can take the time and not be docked any pay, but for somebody paid by the hour, it's more of an inconvenience, let's say, at a minimum. Minimum. So I usually try to be a little early, not get impatient when they're late, but take the opportunity to just disconnect, meditate, let my mind wander, stay off the screen. I don't need to be on the phone. Just look around or even just close my eyes. Nobody's going to say anything. They're going to call me when it's my turn. 
And it gives me an opportunity just to disconnect. So I've found solace in these waiting room periods. The unanticipated gaps in time provide an unexpected opportunity for mental reprieve, just relaxing. Rather than succumbing to frustration, I've learned to appreciate these moments as pockets of tranquility. Whether it's a few minutes before an appointment, I utilize the time to disconnect from the demands of the day, practice, practice that mindfulness, and allow my thoughts to meander. I got to use the word meandering. We don't use that very often. Anyways, in the seemingly mundane act of waiting, I've discovered a valuable space for mental rejuvenation and introspection, transforming what can be perceived as a nuisance, as a nuisance, as a nuisance into a cherished opportunity for self-care. And we don't do enough of that. So I hope we all collectively cultivate the strength to unveil silver linings within life's storms, be they small or large, recognizing that even in the shadows, there exists potential for growth and gratitude. And remember to share and help those around us realize this. Give somebody a smile. Be nice to people. Because as we know, people power everything. Thank you for listening this week. I hope you have a great day and week ahead and that you can find some pockets of serenity that help you disconnect, relax, and be a better person, maybe. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.